Hey, it's Tuesday. Got a great uh, kind of a pre-show for tomorrow's broadcast. Tomorrow night at 8 p.m., Blaze TV is having another special on Ukraine. This is part two. It's a three-part series. Uh, this one kind of we, we go into just a little bit today um, about what what was happening in Congress with Alexander Vindman. Hmm. Uh, Vindman, I, should, I certainly I certainly would support. Uh, research like that if I had an opportunity to subscribe to a service that would make sure that there was more of that type of programming out there that well, exposed what the a truth. weird thing you bring that up and interrupt me for that because mm. you can you just go to blazetv.com slash Glenn glad I interrupted you uh, but I only will go to websites that have promo codes That's oh promo code That's Glenn will oh, okay. get you 10% off Good. so anyway so we talk a little bit about uh, Vinman who is in testifying today and uh, I know exactly what the uh, press is going to say because they already said it before he testified but we take that apart and make you look at it in maybe perhaps a different uh, way we also give you an elevator pitch i'd like the gop to you know maybe start to defend and say hey wait a minute there might be something of national interest there we talk about katie hill and uh, she's a victim you know uh, because everybody is sexting, and everybody has naked. I don't have naked pictures of myself. No, um, and I don't. don't I don't even want to think about naked pictures of myself. Don't do that. But we talk about her latest defense all on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So Stu and I want to take you today and tomorrow through everything that's happening with the impeachment uh, and kind of explain it to you. But we, I, I want you to, I want you to understand both sides, and I want you to really understand what the left is is claiming, and that is that Rudy Giuliani went over and met with a bunch of people. The uh, the former prosecutors, the two former, they're like the, um, you know, the um, attorney general, two of them, the one that Joe Biden fired and the one that said, oh, well, now we've got a really good guy. He met with both of them at the same time, and they both said exactly the same things to him. Now, they're saying that this is when Rudy Giuliani developed this conspiracy theory. And he took all of that information and he fed it to a really bad reporter. And this bad reporter started laying the seeds of of uh, conspiracies. And and there was a shadow government that started because of Rudy Giuliani. And then Trump gets on the phone call and he's he says, basically, I need you to make this true or I'm not going to pay you. That's, in a nutshell, what they are saying. Now, they also have this other story of four people that Rudy Giuliani uh, uh, was representing. They were corrupt. They gave money to uh, Pete Sessions. Pete Sessions, of course, was corrupt. Then they wrote a check to a, a, what do you call them, Um, a super PAC for Donald Trump of almost $400,000. And so Donald Trump is correct or corrupt. I don't know about that stuff. I don't know who those guys really were. 
I'm trusting the Justice Department on that particular part of the story. And if there's something bad in there, then everybody involved should go to jail, no matter. Let the chips fall where they may. But don't confuse that with the main part of the narrative. And that is that Rudy Giuliani developed this conspiracy theory using these two former attorney generals or general prosecutors uh, from the Ukraine, using their information to hijack our foreign policy against the wishes of our ambassador. And then Donald Trump said, you better do it or I'm not going to pay you any money. Now, the problem with this is, is there's too many people that are saying, yeah, well, he might have done this for Joe Biden. Right, Stu? Yeah. Uh, he, he might have done this. He might have had, um, you know, Donald Trump was only doing this because he wanted Joe Biden. It's all political, right? It's, there's no U.S. Correct. interest here. That's the main narrative driving this, Correct. right? Like, no U.S. interest. Trying to win an election, not trying to help the country. Okay. Well, that leaves out a couple of things. That timeline, and this is, we're going to show this to you tomorrow, and then we're going to hook it up to the real timeline and show you how it all falls apart. That timeline that the Democrats are pursuing now on this impeachment is only picking up in 2018. So their entire timeline is, is only like 18 months. They say all this corruption happened in 18 months. Well, now that leaves out a lot of stuff. That leaves out the fact that the prosecutors were being blocked from going to the United States by the State Department and by the embassy and the ambassador in Ukraine. That shows that that, that leaves out that they lost, lost $7 billion of our money. Where did that go? There's massive corruption. And the alarm bells are ringing in uh, Ukraine and they're being blocked every step of the way so let me not make this about ukraine let me tell you a different story okay one i think you could relate to a little better let's say that there is a uh, a bank it's the bank of the u.s and uh we are the biggest investor in that bank and so we have all of our money. You have all of your pension. You have your savings account, your checking account. You have it all in this one big bank. And everyone's telling you this is the safest bank. This is the greatest bank. Nobody is telling you that this bank just lost $8 billion of your money. Okay. And they're getting ready to put another $400 million into it. This is your money. You're going to put your salary into that bank. And no one has told you that they already lost much of your savings. Okay. Well, there's some, a crack security team put in by the, the last president of this bank. And this crack security team has had two leaders of this bank. And this this security team has had two leaders of it, and both of them have said the same thing. Uh, the bank president is telling us to turn off the alarm system at night, and they're leaving the door open. And the bank president is 
is letting some of your co-depositors in and they're just taking this money. And so they run it up the flagpole and they tell the president of the bank, uh, you know, the alarm system is on and some people are coming in in the middle of the night and stealing all of this money. And the bank president says, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And one of the people that you hired to oversee your money says, oh, my gosh, you have to fire this guy. But the guy who's doing security says, but wait a minute, he's part of it, Mr. Bank President. The, the guy who's, that's ridiculous. How could you possibly say I would be a part of this? I want to make sure all of that money is safe. You better fire him. You better fire that guy, Mr. Bank President. And so the bank president says, I'm going to do the other biggest investors. I got to do it. I got to do it. You're fired. Now, other investors in this bank have other problems with this bank president. And they hold their shareholder meeting and they throw that bank president out and they get a new bank president. And there's a new guy that the shareholders said when, you know, you got to fire this guy. I want you to hire this guy because this guy will get the job done. That guy comes in and he finds the same thing. Wait a minute. There are some investors coming in in the middle of the night and taking the stuff. And the, and the bank is leaving the bank vault open at night and they turn off the alarm system. I got to get this to the shareholders. The shareholders have to know. <gasps> How dare you? How dare you? So what happens? So that guy who was in charge of security reaches out to the last guy who was in charge of security and said, is this the stuff you were finding? And they both thought, yeah, right. The bank door is open and the alarm is off. Yeah, right. Okay, what do I do? Do I just bring it to the bank? No, last time I brought it to the bank president, he fired me. So you can't bring it to the bank president and don't bring it to the board of directors because the board of directors are part of it. They're getting some of the money. We got to tell the shareholders. We have to tell the people who have their deposits in here. I know. Well, I tried to do that and they keep blocking me. Well, they're not going to block me. And so they gather up all of this evidence and they go to one of the attorneys of the board of directors and say, we got to get this to the shareholders. And they block, that attorney blocks the security guys from getting it to the shareholders to warn anyone. I, I got to get this information. Well, the two guys who are in charge of security finally say, you know what? I know somebody. I know somebody who is in charge, actually in charge now of that fund. He's a new guy. And I know an attorney who knows one of his attorneys. And we got to get to him. Because he'll take this information to the shareholders. And so what happens? They try to get it to the attorney. And the attorney, hired by the shareholders, the attorney says, oh, I got to see this. But wait, I want to make sure everybody knows. Hang on just a second. And he goes public and goes on the record and goes to the media and says, I've heard really bad rumors that our money is being stolen out of the bank and the bank is turning off the alarm at night and they're leaving the door open. Now, I don't know if any of that is true, but I've met with the two heads of security, the past one and the current one, 
And they're both telling me the same thing. And I have other people saying the same thing as well. And they're frantic to get it. In fact, when they tried to get that information to you, they've been trying for three years. Your board of trustees have been blocking it. They've been blocking getting this information out. So they gave me all of the files. And I'm bringing it down to police headquarters. And he brings it down to police headquarters. And the guys who did the all the security for the bank, they're like, don't bring it to police headquarters. They know about all this. They know about this. They're not going to do anything. And But your representative brings it to police headquarters because that's what you do. You present the evidence. And then they sit on it. They do nothing. Nothing. Meanwhile, you're being told you got to make that deposit. You have to have that. You got to put all of that money into that bank. And your representative says, you know what? I'm only putting it in that bank if I get the bank president to say we're investigating all of these things. I want to know where the money went. I want to know who on the board of trustees is dirty. I want to know who was using our money. I want to know who turned off the alarm. I want to know who was responsible for keeping the vault door open at night. I want to know why you were fired. And when you announce that you are going to look into these things, because I want your ass on the record, you've already lost $7 billion of ours. I'm not giving you another $400 million. I want to know. Does anybody have a problem with that? It, wouldn't that be a responsible thing a steward of your money would do? Now, that doesn't mean that the bank is dirty. That doesn't mean that what, that what those two guys said was right. But they have all kinds of documents. They already have put people in jail for this in their own banking system. Seems pretty reasonable. But what do the board of trustees do? Some of the board of trustees say, oh, my gosh, look at this. Your attorney, your representative went over to gather all this information just to smear this bank. And I believe he was going to try to rob this bank. I believe what he was going to do was tell people to leave the alarm off and keep the door open so he himself could go in and rob the bank. You would never buy into this. You wouldn't be fooled for a second. You would know what was going on. But because we've made this about politics, we refuse to boil it down and look at it in the light of day and say, this is most likely what was happening. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Like listening to this podcast? If you're not a subscriber, become one now on iTunes. And while you're there, do us a favor and rate the show. California is on fire again. Uh, they're blaming it again on uh, the power companies. I mean, when when when's California going to learn? When is California going to learn? How many people have to die in California before they realize you've got to clear the underbrush. They haven't been interested in doing that because the little furry bunnies 
you know, they might die in it and their habitat will be, you know, disturbed. Yeah, yeah. But everybody's habitat is disturbed. And more than little furry bunnies die when you don't do controlled burns and you don't clear out the underbrush. This is so frustrating for the rest of us because California, we don't hate you. We'd like to come visit you from time to time. Well, not you, but your weather. We'd like to come visit your weather from time to time. You have the greatest state, the most beautiful weather, some of the most beautiful scenery. You have the Pacific Ocean. You know, a lot of us would like to live there, but damn it, you people keep screwing it up so bad that no matter how badly anybody wants to live there, I'm sorry, I know I'm speaking from my own personal point of view. I've always wanted to live in California. I grew up on the West Coast. California is beautiful. It has the weather I have always wanted to live in. And they continually screw it up. Now, I I can tell you, when you put that policy in, I was young. My grandfather was screaming at the top of his lungs, these people in California are too damn stupid to live in that state. They're going to end up burning it down to the ground. Well, gee, what are you doing? You're burning it down to the ground. And it's not the power company's fault. It's your fault for, for not wanting to disturb anyone's habitat. You ha- it is a natural process. And if you don't want a wildfire, you have to have controlled burns or you have to go in there and just clear the underbrush yourself and burn it someplace else. Otherwise, everyone's habitat is going to be lost. How many fires do you have to have before you realize it? It's not global warming. It's the dumbasses that are running your forest service. Oh, I'm so, I get... I I lose my mind. It's increasingly difficult to make a weather-based argument when the state is constantly on fire. Uh, It doesn't really matter how nice the the weather is when it's 197,000 degrees right where you are. Uh, And that kind of is the problem right now with with California. They don't seem, I mean, and all it is is blame, right? It's blame about, uh, hey, well, this this electricity company is greedy and and, and the the earth is warming. And and, and it's like all these things except for the actual steps they could be taking. It's even if it is global warming and the electric company, you know, it would stop these from burning out of control. Clearing the underbrush. underbrush. Yeah, but bunnies, though. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I just can't take it. People, these people, it's the, you know what they are? They're the people in the Bible. They're the people in the Bible that just get destroyed and you're like, well, how didn't you see that one coming? You know, you're the ones in the Bible that you're reading about and you're like, no, no, don't do that. Did you read three pages before? <laughs> you're all going to be wiped out. You, that is exactly what we're watching in California and the rest of the country, quite frankly. It's sad too because, you know, California is one of those states where there's a real split about how these things should be handled. And about about 45% of the population, I think, has the right ideas. They're like, hey, this seems insane. Why are we spending all this money? And, and why are we doing things this way? And why aren't we dealing well, with Well, we have a drought. Of course, we haven't built a reservoir since 1972. <laughs> 
But I don't think more people live in the state than they did in 1972. And oh. all, all that 45% of people who completely disagree with the way the state is run, they are victims of this, right? Yep. I mean, they just sit there and have to deal with it every year. And it's got to be really frustrating, man. I mean, I, I, you know, this is why I like, a, you know, a state that, that I think, uh, you know, thinks about things the right way most, most of the time. Not all the time, but most <laughs> of the time. time. Most it's of the time. a little scary here. But. You know, I grew up in Connecticut. I was born in New York. Ooh. I live in a lot of states where Ooh. I was the victim of the government's policies. It's nice to be in a state like Texas where the oh. alternate is, is reality. These power companies, they're causing sparks. We should shut down all the power. They shut down all the power. These power companies are greedy. They don't want people <laughs> to have power. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Oh, I can't take the Katie Hill stuff. This is the woman from California who is now just being persecuted. Now, she resigned. She didn't have to resign. She could have she could have stood up against the ethics committee and she could have said, "Hey, this isn't this isn't right." But the reason why she didn't is because she has no way to win. What uh, she, uh, no, she just didn't want to be a distraction for yeah, all these important sure. priorities for the uh, American people, Glenn. Sure. So what what the ethics committee would have said is it's against our rules to engage in any kind of sexual relationship with an underling, a staffer in your office. Consensual or not. Right. So that's the House ethics rule that she violated. And everyone who gets caught doing this gets the same punishment. That's not true. Donald Trump has assaulted thousands of women. Donald Trump, was he in the House of Representatives? (laughs) I don't don't think so. This is Nancy Pelosi's house, by the way. Right. Uh, there's not there's you know, I got I got news for you if Donald because this is one of the arguments that Katie Hill herself is throwing out there that it's well, Donald Trump did all these terrible things. How come he didn't get in trouble? It's because he's a man. No. I got news for you. If Donald Trump had a picture naked brushing the hair of an underling, I it would be pretty big news. Now, <laughs> knowing Donald Trump pretty well, he would not resign. Time, he would be like, I <laughs> oh, screw you. I'm saying she's hot. And I'm staying right here. In fact, I hired four more. That I mean, that, that would be right. the way it he'd might work it. for him, but that wouldn't work for any other <laughs> no. man. Donald Trump that, just has some mojo going on for him that we honestly, no one, science will never be able to solve how he does it. But he probably it, would do that, and he might get away with it. And plenty of, I mean, look at one, you know, look at one of the people uh, running against him in the Republican primary. Mark Sanford had a an incredibly promising career in the Republican Party and was caught cheating, and then thrown out of office, and then thrown out of, and wound up losing a congressional seat later on. Uh, I mean, we've had how many Republicans? Plenty of them, yeah, p- thrown out of office or have left office because of similar scandals. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with women, and it's nothing new. And she just happens to be the first woman. Well, listen to what she listen to her argument right now, because mm-hmm. these are the things she's tweeting mm-hmm. as she's leaving office. Okay, all right. The Katie Hill saga 
is the first shot in what will become a longer war. 99% of people her age and younger have compromising images of themselves out there floating around, and those images will be weaponized. Okay, hang on just a second. Wait. It's not the compromising image that got her to quit. It was the fact that she was violating the house rules of having sex with a staffer. And she had several, several relationships with staffers. Oh, and by the way, hashtag me too. They thought that it was toxic and abusive. Yes. And so she is. And she initially denied those. And then she had to admit some of them. Some of them she does not deny. Um, but, uh, and some of them, she still continually does deny to this day and blames it on her abusive husband. Now, I don't know who her husband is. He may be a terrible, he may be horrible. Um, and you know, it seems like he, I mean, at least reportedly, he's the one leaking these photos to uh, media sources. Uh, not something that even if you don't like your wife, I I think is a great idea. Uh, but the bottom line is she's the one breaking the rules here. Yeah, um, and it's not about the pictures. Look, if those pictures were released by a husband who was getting a divorce, uh, it, it would be bad. But who would be talking about impeachment in California? Who would be talking oh, yeah. about uh, a uh, uh, you know a um, an ethics charge against her? And not to mention, she's nobody. She's doing something uh, that is federally illegal which is smoking pot in one of these things. Now, again, it's legal in California. It's legal in a lot of states now. Do I think it's that big of a deal? Not really. But it is still a federal crime. It's something that we could note as a congressman. Now, look like if you're an average Joe, maybe you don't have to hit every single federal law. I mean, just think, uh, back in the 80s, it was, I smoked, but I never inhaled. Never inhaled. I never inhaled. Now it's like you're caught naked. Yeah. Brushing the, the hair of an intern, and you've got a bong in your hand, and possibly and it's like, a Nazi tattoo by your by your pubic area. Right, but, but don't still, worry about it. Okay, I don't actually believe it was a Nazi tattoo, no, but that's besides the point. So the next one she tweets, Katie Hills tweets uh, an article from Time. Katie Hills, the first millennial lawmaker to resign because of nudes, she won't be the last. Okay, so well, that sounds like a threat. Now, um, <laughs> the second the second thing is is that's not why she resigned. Right, exactly. But that's this is her tact, right? Correct, her tact correct. Is, is change the narrative. Is change the narrative to uh, I'm like everybody else who's a millennial. We all have naked pictures of ourselves. There's nothing you can do in this time this story. Like this is like, like, this, is like I, this is like Weinstein um, <laughs> saying. Hey, we all have sex. All executives want to look, hooking up and and, and sexually harassing uh, young hot models. And we did it all the time and everyone knows it. Like, I mean, that's a defense, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, But that doesn't change the law on sexual uh, harassment. And it doesn't change the law about underlings in Congress. In the Time article, though, I'm fascinated by this. And I don't know why I'm fascinated by this more than anything else. But it says one 2015 study found that like Hill... 82% of adults had sexted in the past year. That can't possibly be true, can it? If that's true, I surrender. I know. I just, I quit. I'm going to the mountains today. If 82%... Of, of adults, adults, not just millennials, right. adults have sexted. Now, does that mean pictures? I think that it's in this context, right? I mean, uh, maybe it just means a sexy comment or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know. What, the, what is the technical definition of sexting? Can we figure that out? I have I have uh, oh. some advice for millennials. And I as as a I was actually the first millennial. People don't know this. I myself was the first millennial. There's one study that says millennials began in 1976. 
And I was born on February 9th, 1976. So the people in January, screw them. I was the first millennial. So as the godfather of all millennials, let me give you some advice, millennials. The only solution to having lots of naked photos of yourself out there is to be sufficiently revolted by yourself. If you have such a horrific opinion about how you look on camera, you will never take a photo. It's never been a risk for me because I am disgusted by myself. Now, if I happen to be... I think that's healthy. I think it is, too. It's obviously saving careers right. around the country. There should be some body shaming. You should just yes, body shame yourself. You should at least body shame yourself. Right. We, that's we okay. ought to be able to look at ourselves. You know, it's, <laughs> you know who probably does this? So the people who uh, wear, like, uh, you know, spandex, uh-huh. but are my weight, but about eight <laughs> inches shorter. <laughs> that's a hell of a package you're talking it's about. A, you've seen yeah. it. You've seen it. Well, that's what I mean, too. And, and this is why I'm so fascinated by this. 82% of adults includes all of the most hideous people you see when you go out. It's not just Victoria's Secret models we're talking about. 82% of adults. And you know what? Adults means what? People who are 90? I mean, it's everybody, right? I mean, if that study... I mean, it just can't be true. Well, it, the, the definition is sexually explicit picture or se- sexually explicit uh, verbiage. Okay, so, that, so it could just be a, a sexual comment. To someone else, okay. I mean, Maybe. I I still don't think eighty two percent is possible. But this is Katie Hill's argument. Her next one is: this is a form of technological domestic violence. Oh, shut up! Then no, you- it's me too. Yeah, you were using your power over interns. This is what they said. Yeah, this they is what were they very said uncomfortable. Was. They thought it was exploitative. They uh, were uncomfortable because they didn't know what to do. This is this is everything that you said about you know any man with power, right? And I, she has power. They didn't know what to do. And look, I think uh, in large part that's a BS d- uh, description of what Me Too is. The idea that is you know women don't have the ability, the the agency, the uh, the the intelligence to make their own decisions about who they want to make out with or go to bed with is a completely demeaning thing to say about women. Yeah, if, you are, the- if you're if you're tw- like Monica Lewinsky, they keep throwing her in this Me Too thing. She loved the situation. She was in love with Bill Clinton, right? She, uh, to her own words, she was 23, 24 years old. She was an adult, okay? Now, yes, he's the president of the United States. But she is also, he's making terrible decisions that have been covered a wide range. She also was making a bad decision in this particular situation. And you go to this thing as well. Adults get to make their own decisions. We don't take away their agency because they happen to only be five years into adulthood. Okay? That is, you are responsible for your own actions, just like the executive is, is, is responsible for their own actions. And that is something that should be, we should be not taking away from people we should be assigning it more the idea that we are now going to remove all responsibility from people who are multiple years inside of adulthood is is demeaning i don't know if i can go this far i don't mean to be the sick no i understand you're saying that when you're an adult you Mm -hmm. make decisions and you have to live by them yes but that means Mm -hmm. that means that 
Sean Spicer cannot blame anyone else for the <laughs> Dancing with Stars? I mean, I don't... <laughs> That's, there are exceptions okay, here. Don't I mean, I don't me care a... how old you are. Oh. Really, are you responsible alone for that abomination? I don't think so. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. There's a couple of pieces of audio here that we cannot leave uh, until we play, and one of them is the very eloquent Al Sharpton (laughs) trying very, very, I mean, he's really working hard here uh, to um, tell you the story of the death of al-Baghdadi. Here he is. President Trump said that because of the killing of al-Baghdadi, Baghdadi, <laughs> that the world is a better place. <laughs> and I would give Bag-dag-dee. credit to he and those that were responsible for it. Uh-huh. But mm. we have a lot of work that must still be done in the area of terrorism. Right. In the same area of the world where Al Baghdadi was. <laughs> Come on, that was worth it. There are just, oh, you know, like. That's worth getting up in the day to hear. The man can't speak, Glenn. Mm. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of No, job, I have like, a problem with uh, the English language. You do too. That's yeah. true. We all do. But not but quite not like, like that. Him. Yeah, he has this sort of like, you know how if you have like a, a shelf that is loaded with trinkets mm. and someone bumps into it. And like one of them falls down, and then another one falls down, mm. another one falls down. That's his like his like pace of speaking. Like <laughs> yeah, just like there's like they're just inexplicably coming down to this odd. He's like, I don't blab say Baghdadi. Play it again one Where? more time. Play it one more time. What? President <laughs> Trump said that because He's bump of into the, the killing of right. Al Baghdadi, Baghdadi, that the world is a better place. And, and I would I give would credit to him and those that and were responsible for it. But we have a lot of work that must right, like still be right, done. Uh, in why the are you area pausing on work? Right. We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do with terror. We have a lot of work to do with Baghdad. Because in the prompter, his eyes are looking down and he sees Baghdadi. <laughs> He's like, oh no, here it comes again. It's revenge of all those G's and H's. <laughs> They're all coming. All right. Uh, uh, how about Katie Hill? Can we hear the Katie Hill? Yes, here's, Katie, here's Katie Hill. The Republican Party is overwhelmingly held by old white men, mm-hmm. and that is that is not good. until that changes. Then the Republican Party is is literally incapable of changing. When you see reactions like Lindsey Graham's or mm-hmm. some of the other senators, right. you can't help but wonder what are you afraid of? Oh. What's in your past? Oh, so. that's a good question, Very Katie. Good. Katie, may I? You've heard mm. the you know he who has a glass house shouldn't throw stones. May I just uh, update that for uh, this occasion? Um, those that have glass bongs <laughs> should not be throwing stones. I, I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just saying. Do we have time for Dave Chappelle? Uh, Chappelle was talking about political correctness on the, uh, the red carpet. Political correctness has its face, its place. Excuse me. We all want to live in a I'll polite society. We just have to kind of work on the levels and come to an agreement of what that actually looks like. 
I personally am not afraid of other people's freedom of expression. I don't use it as a weapon. It just makes me feel better. And I'm sorry if I hurt anybody, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. Everything I'm supposed to say. (laughs) (laughs) He was accepting the award for the Mark Twain Prize. Mm. Uh, At the Kennedy Center. They do it every year. And here's this guy who everybody's saying, oh, no, he's just, he's great. He just won the National Award for Comedy Writing, the Mark Twain Prize. Uh, I don't know. Seems to be doing pretty good. A lot better than that. Oh, Black Blandy. <laughs> oh, Black Blandy. Black Tandy. Snag Blandy. A grab the baggy. You're listening to The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.